Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Gentlemen, boys, and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I promised y'all after last week that we talk very traditional football stuff this week. And I'm going to keep that promise because as of today, If you're listening to this day one, it is Thursday, August 10th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And this is the day the Buffalo Bills break camp. They say, all right, screw you guys, I'm going home. And then they go back to Orchard Park. And all the remaining practices will be in Orchard Park. And all the remaining discussions will be about stuff happening in Orchard Park. And preseason games will commence. It's almost like the halfway point of the summer. This is the good time to sit back and go, okay, let's reevaluate. Let's take stock. And the best way to look about whatever you're going to focus on and moving forward is to first look backwards. So what we're going to do today And I have no idea when, it's only one segment, so I have no idea when we're going to take a break, but we'll just kind of go with the flow, see where that takes us. Because what we're going to do today is we are going to reevaluate what we thought were the most interesting position battles and some takes for the Buffalo Bills coming into camp. And then we're going to see from a status report standpoint where we are at with each of those items, whether it be a take, a position battle, or whatnot. Maybe something is now a position battle that we didn't think was going to be. Quarterback. And let's get started. So I wrote a piece for Buffalo Rumblings weeks ago where I was talking about interesting position battles, and I was ranking them in terms of least interesting to most interesting. And I started off with the running backs. And I said, least interesting, kind of boring. That's how I tagged it. Kind of boring. James Cook versus Damian Harris. And it wasn't really interesting to me because of multiple things. First off, it feels fairly likely based on everything we've seen from this team that there is going to be a meaningful timeshare at running back, regardless of who they list as the starter. Now, since then... It's been pretty clear that James Cook is the starter. He has gotten the chunk, the overwhelming majority of first-team reps per reports. But
Sean McDermott has gone on record as saying it's not good for one back to carry the load. If you recall, even when a young Devin Singletary was consistently outperforming an older Frank Gore, McDermott defended the use of multiple backs using that. So the fact that one running back is more effective is not going to lead to that one running back getting the overwhelming plurality of the touches. Secondly, I think the presence of Latavius Murray could throw a wrench into the idea of it even being a two-man backfield. It could be a three-man backfield. Don't look now, but Latavius Murray had a really strong season for the Denver Broncos last year. And I would not be surprised if the Buffalo Bills kept him and made him active and played him, especially now that Naheem Hines is hurt. So this whole Cook versus Harris concept, I don't think it was ever really a battle. I think it was always going to be Cook listed as a starter. The only question is how much will Harris and Murray be used? And I still don't have an answer to that question. Because if Cook is the quote-unquote starter, but you're using Harris and Murray in goal line, if you're using them to pass block, then that's a lot of snaps, right? Goal line, short yardage, and pass blocking sounds situational, but that makes up a huge chunk of all of snaps. And if you're splitting that between Harris and Murray, then yeah, Cook is getting 175 carries maybe, 190 carries maybe, but he's not getting 260 carries. And I wouldn't expect that to begin with. So nothing's changed for me. Based on the way we've seen it now versus the way we had seen it before, nothing's changed for me. It's still going to be James Cook being the starter, presumptively, the starter at the top of the depth chart because the Bills did release an unofficial depth chart and that's what it was. But now the only thing that's really changed is the fact that you don't have Naheem Hines, which means your chances of keeping Latavius Murray went way up, which further muddies the waters as far as what happens behind James Cook and how often it happens behind James Cook. So if anything, this is less clear because nothing that I didn't expect to have happen happened. I expected James Cook to be the quote unquote starter. The only thing that did happen was now we have a higher likelihood that Latavius Murray makes the 53 and that kind of messes with things beforehand. So I think the only question is just how much are you going to see Harris and Murray used? Is it really going to be a short yardage, goal line, pass blocking kind of thing? Because so that's a, a decent amount. What if it's just goal line, short yardage and spelling cook? Well, now that's less. What if it's just goal line and spelling cook? Well, now it's less. See what I mean? So situationally, where you will see Harris and Murray used, that's going to determine what we think of this, but we're not going to know that until the regular season anyway. The next thing that I talked about was Osiris Torrance and Ryan Bates at right guard. And the way I tagged this was, I'm listening. I'm slightly interested. It's not boring like the other one because you're not really going to know much about it anyway it's going to be a rotation it's i'm listening the high likelihood is that osiris torrance will at some point get an opportunity to start we know this teams don't take players in the second round that they don't play ever that is rare an offensive line isn't a rotational position usually 
So then the question becomes about when will Torrance get the nod? Sal Capaccio, WGR, was talking with Matt Beauvais of WKBW and said, don't sleep on Osiris Torrance. His discussion was revolved around the idea that Ryan Bates having versatility might actually harm him. They might want to have him work at all three interior offensive line spots. And given the fact that Osiris Torrance is essentially a guard only, and specifically a right guard only, that could change things. It could be a circumstance where Torres ends up starting if it's close. Osiris Torrance is in the zip code of Ryan Bates. They start him because they really value Ryan Bates being the first man off the bench at three interior offensive line spots. This has changed for me a little bit. It has changed for me because people with credibility have had the discussions about it. So now I'm a little bit more interested. I'm a little bit thinking, hey, maybe it would be more of a shock if Ryan Bates was out there week one against the Jets versus Osiris Torrance being out there week one against the Jets. I think the preseason is going to tell us a lot, but I think that has changed. I think it's changed because we haven't heard meaningful discussions about Osiris Torrance playing poorly. Now, I know that line play is hard to evaluate in training camp. It's better in preseason, and I think we're all going to have our eyes on Osiris Torrance. But I think him not standing out in a negative way and having the comments from people in the know about Bates' versatility potentially harming him, all of a sudden, it becomes a smidge more interesting. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We found a spot for the break in between two observatory points. And now we're going to keep going. One of the other battles that I was keeping an eye on at the very beginning of training camp was Deontay Hardy versus Khalil Shakir. And I deemed it single eyebrow raising, like a Spock eyebrow. Like, I am, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Because Khalil Shakir showed promise in 2022, but he didn't get a lot of targets. And then the Bills go out at the very beginning of free agency, because the speed matters, and they signed Hardy, who I thought might be a you know second or a third wave free agency signing. But they stuck their neck out to sign him early. The advanced metrics in a very limited sample size for Deontay Hardy, yards per route run, things like that, are absurd, incredibly efficient. But if you're running 11 personnel, is Hardy going to be your starter or is Shakir going to be your starter? And I think that Hardy could have been a hedge against the lack of growth from Shakir. But more than likely, he was a targeted player that the Bills had. And at the time, they had Hines as the primary return man. So it wasn't like they targeted him to be the return man where he's currently listed on the depth chart. They targeted him early in free agency thinking at the time they already had the returner position locked down. Now, Hardy's returnability could have been a nice boost, but follow the money. Follow the money. So I'm leaning toward Hardy because I haven't heard anything otherwise. I was defaulting to follow the money, and I haven't heard anything meaningful aside from praise in regards to Deontay Hardy. Josh Allen notably said, 
that we think he can do more than we initially thought he could do. That matters. Deontay Hardy has gotten more publicity. Brandon Bean praised his instincts first off. That's important. Starting with your instincts matters. It's important to note we're just discussing the slot receiver role because there's now another competition that's emerged, you know, punt and kick returner because you don't have Naheem Hines, but we're just talking about slot receiver. And I know Dalton Kincaid is the de facto slot receiver in 12%. I know that. We're specifically talking about slot wide receiver here because you are going to go 11 personnel. And when you do, there will be a slot receiver who is that guy. So the injury to Naheem Hines adds a new wrinkle. Because if anything, the injury to Naheem Hines almost feels like the Ryan Bates situation. Allow me to explain. If the injury to Naheem Hines means the Buffalo Bills now prefer Deontay Hardy as the returner, that might actually help Khalil Shakir in the same way that Ryan Bates' versatility might actually hurt him in a battle against Osiris Torrance, so too might Deontay Hardy's ability to contribute in multiple phases of special teams hurt his snap count when it comes to playing wide receiver. It's the old Steve Tasker, Marv Levy thing. He's so effective on special teams, we don't want to quote-unquote waste him on offense. That legend makes its way around Buffalo Bills vernacular every once in a while. The Bills made Hardy an early free agent signing to a multi-year deal, and it seemed like at the time they may have done it with the eyes of him being the first man up a slot receiver. Then you drafted Dalton Kincaid, so you might not be running as much 11. And then you had Naheem Hines get hurt. Both of those things could change the plan for Deontay Hardy. So you start with... Follow the money. And then you go, I haven't heard anything meaningful aside from praise. So I'm going to start with that. I'm going to stand pat on the opinion I had at the signing. But then you think the Naheem Hines injury could change things. Then you think the drafting of Dalton Kincaid could change things. And now all of a sudden you're like, I was like 90% sure it was going to be Deontay Hardy. Now I'm only like 75% sure. I still think it's going to be Deontay Hardy as the starting slot receiver. But all these things are worth talking about. Again, my opinion went from fairly strong to pretty strong. But it matters because I think something has changed there. Has it changed significantly? In my opinion, no. But has it changed a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Linebacker. At the very beginning, a couple weeks ago, I deemed it as AJ Klein for Mike versus Terrell Bernard versus Dorian Williams versus Tyrell Dotson versus Bale Inspector. And I deemed it double eyebrow raising. And I flat out said at that time that no positional competition holds up to a five-man competition. It's not going to be a five-man competition. We just don't know who the two or three people are going to be yet. We know that it's going to be down to two or three. We just don't know which two or three it is. But we'll figure it out really early in camp. Well... We did. After a few days and a little quick Balin Specter hype, it appears at this point that it's Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard. Bobby Badish basically said the same. Now, Alex Brasky of the Batavia Daily News remarked that Dodson played, quote, like his hair was on fire during the Bills' recent blue and red scrimmage. Thad Brown 
outline some impressive skills in coverage, which we know is important. If you're going to have a player who is a thumper, that's great. Not my preferred linebacker type, but that's great. But really, it boils down to what they're going to do in coverage. What they're going to do in coverage matters. And if you're going to have Terrell Bernard struggling in coverage, and you're going to have Tyrell Dodson less effective in coverage, then you might as well go with Dodson because he's better playing into the line of scrimmage. But Dodson's also been in the scheme. He's been in the scheme since 2019. And I know it's different now that Sean McDermott is in charge, but the language isn't different. And you might say, you know what? I I just trust he's going to be where he's supposed to be. I understand he's probably not the athlete that Terrell Bernard is, but I trust that he's going to be where he's supposed to be. And I can build a defense around that. Even if you have some athletic limitations, I'd much rather have the security of just knowing that you're going to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. So the thing that's changed here is everything. Everything has changed. We don't have a fatal five-way anymore. Instead, we're down to two and we're leaning toward one. Terrell Bernard's got to play well in the preseason because all the hype is around Tyrell Dodson. There's been very little discussion, very little hype about the way Terrell Bernard has been playing. So that's changed a lot. And lastly, we have CB2. At the time, a couple weeks ago, I called it head tilt audible O. Like, oh. That was how interested I was in it. Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, Kyrie Elam. Just when I think that I know what's going on with the CB2 battle, they throw something else at me. The way that I would describe this now is IDK my BFF John Butler. I don't know. I have no idea. Early in training camp, I thought it was Dane Jackson and then Kyrie Elam just wasn't getting the run. And then John Butler comes out and indicated that Bills could employ a platoon system at CB2, further muddying the waters. Then Kyrie Elam comes on strong. Then Christian Benford comes on strong. This could be messier than last year at this time. Last year, the opening week against the Los Angeles Rams, it was Dane Jackson on one side and then a rotation between Benford and Elam on the other. Now we have Tredavious White on one side and a three-way platoon on the other? It's going to be very odd. I didn't know anything a couple weeks ago. Then I thought I knew something. Then I thought I didn't know anything. And then I thought I knew something, and then I thought I didn't know anything. And now I'm thinking I know something, but I don't know anything. That's where we're at with the CB2 situation. IDK, my BFF, John Butler. I'm just shrugging at this point. I, I have no idea. No, no option would surprise me. If Dane Jackson rolled out week one, I'd go, okay, yeah, no, I, 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 I understand. If Kyrie Elam rolled out week one, I'd be like, okay, I, I get it. I understand. If it was Christian Benford, I'd be like, okay, I get it. I understand. Based on the data. Now, I have preferences, obviously. But based on the data, I wouldn't be surprised by any of the maneuvers. There is one situation that I did not talk about a couple weeks ago, and I cannot revisit it now. I'm going to bring it up for the first time now. Because what I didn't say a couple weeks ago that we were all thinking was it would very clearly be Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, the two quarterbacks on the roster. But Kyle Allen has not played well by all accounts 
So now all of a sudden, we were talking about battles and something that we didn't think was going to be a battle now might be. Because there's a lot of observers who have indicated that Matt Barkley is actually playing better, which would make sense considering he's been, again, around the team more than Kyle Allen has. And we've talked about QB2. We've talked about QB2 a ton on this podcast and how the whole we're completely screwed if we don't have Josh Allen. And then I answer with, well, what if you don't have Josh Allen for three weeks? You want to play okay, right? Because three games can be the difference between the number one seed and not. It can be the difference between making the playoffs and not. Small sample size. Football is a small sample size game. This isn't basketball where you have players who are superstars who can sit out the second game of back-to-backs without having any meaningful effect on their teams long-term. That's not what this is. This is football. Every single game matters. 17, that's it. Two games can be making the playoffs or not. Three games can be making the playoffs or not. Getting the number one seed. I don't want my entire season ruined because Josh Allen missed a month. Is the whole season going to be ruined if Josh Allen misses the whole year? Probably. Highly likely. Unless you have a Nick Folesian moment. But the truth is that having Josh Allen go down for a couple weeks can ruin the season if your QB2 is not good. That's the difference. You're teetering on the edge right there. So we all just kind of assumed Kyle Allen's a veteran. He's been around. He'd come in. It'd be Allen and Allen. We made law firm jokes. The law firm of Allen and Allen with Barkley on the side, on the practice squad. Now all of a sudden, I'm going to be paying attention now to Barkley and Allen in the preseason game. Barkley and Kyle Allen in the preseason game. Like a lot. Because they're going to get a lot of snaps. And we previously weren't thinking that they were in competition with each other. If Kyle Allen's really bad, maybe Matt Barkley is the guy you roll in. Maybe Kyle Allen is the guy you try and hit on the practice squad. I don't think you're going to end up with a QB2 being signed. I think what you're thinking about right now is which quarterback will be on the active roster and which one will be on the practice squad. Which previously, I don't think that was an issue. I don't think we were any of us were really invested in the idea that there was an actual backup quarterback battle. Now, because of how Kyle Allen has played or not played thus far, now it's a battle. So we're revisiting that. But we're not revisiting a take we had. We're revisiting a take we didn't have because we didn't really think about it. We weren't talking about a QB battle. I wasn't anyway. If you'd like to dunk in the comment section, now's your time. Oh, I totally knew it. Here's my proof. Here's the receipts. I knew it was going to be a a QB battle. But those are the way that things have gone since a couple weeks ago. Some things have changed a little. Some things have changed a lot. Some things are clearer. Some things are muddier. The linebacker thing is much clearer. The quarterback thing is just as muddy as it's always been. The quarterback thing we thought was clear and got muddy But it's nice to see how the trajectory is for these battles in training camp as the Bills break camp and head back to Orchard Park for preseason football. Football is back. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.